All right. Welcome to the OK Productive Podcast, a podcast where we talk about all sorts of topics related to productivity. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at OK Productive. Hi, Leo. How are you doing? Good. I really liked our last episode with Sophia Dagnan talking about writing in a persuasive way, especially for a lot of us who are self-employed and self-starters, and even those of us who just write emails frequently. And she talked quite a bit about emails and how she's found that to be a really great way to persuade folks. And so luckily, we have a really great guest on this week who's an expert specifically on email conversion copywriting. And we'll let her explain what exactly that means. But we have with us uh, Laura Lopich. Hey, Laura. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I think to me, email conversion copywriting, what it essentially means is like writing to get people persuaded to do something, correct? (laughs) That's like the big picture view. Another way to look at it is for people to take the action that you want them to take and not getting distracted by like bright, shiny things and taking different actions, like maybe deleting your email. You want them to take the action that you actually need them to take to maybe progress in your sales funnel. If you're writing like sales emails or to hit reply to your email, if maybe you're writing, say like a cold email to set up a say sales call with them to pitch your product. Yeah, that's the big picture. Avoiding the cringes and (laughs) encouraging the exciting, like getting them to do what it is that you emailed them about to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kind of getting them like excited about the next step and almost like pre-selling them on what their future looks like a little bit, if you want to go really psychologically in depth for the answer, but getting them excited about what their life could look like if they did take this step so that it makes taking that next step so much easier. And it's not like pulling them. I like the way you phrase that, how their life could look, because oftentimes, especially those of us that are technical oriented, want to talk features and like (laughs) widgets and things like that. And oftentimes I need to reorient myself to think about like how their life could be improved by doing whatever you want them to do in the email. And I find that a really great way of putting it. Yeah. Side note, it's also super helpful to use that technique in your everyday life. Like if you're, I don't know about you guys, but I've got a toddler at home and I use this all the time, every day, like Imagine what we could be doing if you just finished your breakfast. You can use it with your spouse too. Like. <laughs> yeah, you got two parents here, yeah. <laughs> so we know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you can totally use it in all areas. Like I've used it on customer service reps. How can we make this easier? Like maybe the next step is just this. Like how can we just make it a little bit easier? And maybe it doesn't have to be hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So let's dig into that a little bit. Starting at the beginning, how did you get into copywriting, emailing? So I came in via the dark, deep world of the legal field. So I used to work with attorneys and basically my job as a paralegal, which is their assistant, I handled all the details. I handled a lot of the scheduling. I made sure that the witnesses were lined up. And they were agreeable to like testify in trial or for a deposition. So there was a lot of like, imagine how much easier this could go. And like kind of that like future casting, a lot of persuasive writing because basically the whole law field is 
make sure that you've got your bases covered. So if something does go sideways, you have an email to back yourself up and avoid the he said, she said debate. So a lot of my stuff was done by email. And through that, I realized how much fun it is to write basically conversion copy, which is what I was doing at the law firm, just didn't realize it, and how much fun it was to write persuasively. So I took that into the bigger world. And about how long had you been doing that? I had been working at the law firm for about eight years. Yeah. Okay. When did you realize as you were at the law firm that you were like onto something when it comes to conversion copywriting? (laughs) I realized like long after I quit. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. After I had quit and was kind of like in those in between days, you know, where you're like, okay, I kind of feel lost. I just quit this job that I've been doing for a long time with a steady paycheck. And now, now what? Now I have to be forced to come up with my own money. Really? Weird. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What do I do? And so It was about that time that I started taking stock of my skills and like what I like to do, what I wanted to do. And I realized writing and writing emails specifically was something that I was apparently really good at because it was a skill I'd been honing for eight years. And at that time, when I was starting out, I didn't have a budget for like advertising and I didn't have like a referral network to tap for new clients. So I started sending cold emails. And about that time, I realized like, I might be onto something like maybe this skill set of writing emails is actually a pretty valuable one. So how many emails would you say that you're writing on a a given day or a week? So then I had like a weekly goal of sending out like, I think it was 25 cold emails per week to new people. And that's not including like follow-ups. So I was researching and sending out 25 new cold emails to people And it was easier for me to set a weekly goal because some days I didn't have as much energy or bandwidth to put into, you know, making five emails, say. So I could like let it slide. And then maybe the next day I'd have like more get up and go and then I could catch up. So all in all, I sent about 350 emails over the course of, say, like three months and I learned so much from sending those emails, mainly that cold emails and specifically like conversion copywriting is a very different beast than say like your normal business email where the people kind of have to work with you, where that's what I was experiencing in a law firm. My client had to work with me. Otherwise they might be liable for the whole paying all the damages like out of their own pocket. So of course they wanted to work with me, but in this scenario, like I had to convince people a little bit more. So I had to figure out like how to do that. So it was really a crash course in like conversion copywriting, how to get people to do something that they might not be thinking that they wanted to do without coming across as pushy or aggressive and actually showing them, Hey, this is probably in your best interest. And sometimes I mean, all of us are parents too. It might just be one of those things that slipped their mind or it's not the top priority because a kid is a pretty big priority. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are some other things that you had mentioned along there that I wanted to double back on. So you had pointed out that the 25 emails to new people per week was in addition to follow-ups, which reminds me that you had started out saying that you think of emails, what you want to achieve as like next steps for 
you and the person that you're contacting. So it, it sounds like that's a, another way to reframe thinking about emails is it's not a once and done. It's kind of like a journey and there are milestones along the way. Yeah, totally. I love how you say it's a journey. And it is because you're actually, by using follow-ups, and this is something I don't see a lot of people doing in just email in general, is using follow-ups. And it actually helps your recipient prioritize your email. So when you follow up, you're actually putting like kind of, you're waving at your email. I don't want to say a red flag, but you're drawing attention to your email. So you're like waving at your email saying, hey, this is important to me. And because it's important to me, I'm following up. And because of that, it's also important to you because you're putting value on your email right away by following up. And that helps your recipient prioritize your email in their crowded inbox and actually take action. Because like you said, like we're all busy and who knows what was going on when they were checking their email. Like I'll check my email a lot, just like waiting for dinner to cook. And then I get interrupted because the next step needs to be done or my son is suddenly destroying the couch or hanging off a dog's (laughs) neck or, you know, whatever. (laughs) How frequent would you say one should follow up? Like, is it not frequent enough that they forgot about it, but also not too frequent that it becomes creepy and rude? (laughs) So I like to kind of think back on like how maybe my week went and then give them kind of the benefit of the doubt when I follow up. So usually a good rule of thumb is like, two to three business days between your first email and your first follow-up. Give them enough time. Maybe they had a really busy day yesterday. Maybe they have a packed day today, or maybe it's just a packed week. You don't really know what's going on on the other side of the screen. So don't follow up too hot and heavy because that's definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. There was one other thing that you had mentioned too that I wouldn't mind touching on again before we start actually digging into the anatomy of one of these emails. It was how you look at how many emails you're sending in a week's time. And you said that something along the lines of that gives you a little bit of room to find an appropriate time or make sure that you're in a good mindset. And I can totally see that in my own life. There are some weeks where I will come up with a list and I know I have a lot of people I need to reach out to. And depending on my mood at that point, sometimes I'm just dreading it. And I know if I just give myself a couple of days, I'll be in a lot better place. But having that extra wiggle room, like giving yourself a week to achieve a goal like that, for me personally, and it sounds like you too, it works a lot better than trying to say, I'm going to send those 25 emails today or in the next hour or something like that. Yeah, definitely. If you can try to create that win-win scenario for yourself, like you want to accomplish the goal, like send 25 emails a week, but sometimes things go sideways or maybe your energy isn't there. And if you bring kind of a bad energy or bad mindset to creating those emails. It sounds really crazy, but your recipient will feel that. And so you want to bring a positive friendliness to your emails when you're actually writing it, because there's something that gets transcribed when you're writing it. And that feeling gets taken and put into your words and the recipient can feel it. So yeah, totally. If you're feeling kind of off, like just let it sit and tackle it tomorrow. Who knows what, you know, the sun might shine brighter tomorrow. You might be in a better mood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Let's uh, start digging into what one of these emails might actually look like. To start off, what is a uh, situation where a person would want to write a cold email like this? 
Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a couple different kinds of cold emails. So you could be writing like a cold email to pitch your service or your product. And that's typically more of like a cold sales email because your end goal is to make a sale or get a client, right? But you could also be writing a cold outreach email. So you're just connecting with someone and you could be writing a cold outreach email to say, get an expert on the phone to pick their brain on a product that you will be developing that will serve or solve their problems. So kind of like a customer interview of sorts, but like they aren't a customer yet. You could be writing a cold outreach Mm -hmm. email to interview a customer. That's another type. Or you could also be writing to like get an expert's opinion on like maybe a blog post that you're writing to end or a podcast interview. Or, a podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs> you know. or to get like that person that you quoted in maybe a podcast interview or a guest blog post or your own blog post that you quoted one of their articles and you want to let them know so that they might share it to their social network and expand the reach. So there's a lot of different flavors to cold emails. Which one would you like to talk about? Hmm. So what really interests me is, first of all, outreach. Because I think before you even like pitch a product or service, I find myself oftentimes just wanting to make a connection with somebody via email for either like expertise or possibly a future client, but not necessarily as aggressive as like a pitch per se. How would you break those specific types of emails down? Okay, so for those emails, you definitely have to keep in mind how you answer the question for your reader that's in their head. And that question is, what's in it for me? Because you are asking something out of them. You are asking them maybe to give you some time, maybe to get on a podcast interview like this, or maybe you're asking for their opinion, which requires some thought on their side, which can sometimes feel like a heavier request, depending on who you're emailing, than just a flat out time request. So you have to think about like, why would they say yes? What's in it for them? How can you convince them to go from like, okay, maybe I've never heard of this person to yes, I will help you out in this way. And that looks different for each scenario that you're doing. But when you really focus in on making sure that your email answers that question, it'll be a lot easier for them to say yes. So like going way back to like high school English, (laughs) when you had to draft an essay and you built an essay around an argument and a hypothesis, suddenly it becomes a lot easier to think of your email in the same way because you are driving towards proving your hypothesis, which is answering that question for them. What's in it for me? So when you start to think about like how each line in your email will set them up to say yes, and include a micro yes in each line. And that's where each line of your email helps your reader agree. Like they're nodding along to you saying, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that makes sense in my world. I can see why I would do it. Those are micro yeses. And when you organize your email with micro yeses, that actually sets your reader up to say yes at the end for your big yes, which is what you want them to say yes. So if you include anything that kind of like doesn't answer that question, what's in it for me, or has them shaking their head no, then you've lost them. 
then you've like set the whole train off the rails. Yeah, it seems like if you start off on the wrong foot and they have that immediate like, "Eh, that's not really true, then it would be quite the struggle to actually recover from something like that. It is. It's a huge struggle. So the easiest way to set the whole email off on the right foot is compliment them. And research has shown that flattery, even insincere flattery, makes the recipient of that compliment like you, which is exactly what you want in an email. You want to like warm them up. You want to make them like you right off the bat. You want to be like instant friends, not like BFFs, but like friends, like, hey, I like this person. And then just continue that tone through the email. Now, would this be something that's relevant to where you're going to move into or can it be unrelated? It could be either one. The thing is like, just make sure that you're being relevant to them. Basically, it doesn't actually have to be relevant to like what you're asking them to do necessarily, but you could say like, Hey, congratulations on your viral article or, Hey, I noticed on your Twitter that it was your dog's birthday. That's awesome. I have a black lab too. Like try to find some sort of point of connection is really the heart of it. So if you can compliment them, if you can't find a compliment, try to find some point of connection where you're kind of on the same page with this person and showing them that, Hey, I'm like you. And look, we both got black labs. How cool is that? What if you're in a situation, and this is where I struggle with, where you have a hard time thinking of what's in it for the recipient? It could be like anything from you don't know enough about the person to really thinking of persuasive points to get them to do what you want. But also it could just be like they're in the situation where there's nothing you have to offer to them because I'm sure there is. What are some ways to like help you come up with those micro yeses as you write your email? That's a good question. Do you have like a more specific example? Because it sounds like you've maybe come up against this in your own life. Yeah, sure. So maybe like you f- I find a client on LinkedIn or a potential client on LinkedIn. I don't want to say client because we're talking outreach here. And simply they might be a potential partner in various ways and you want to get to know them. and. I want to email them so we can just meet up sometime and connect and get to know a little bit more about their business and my business. So for that kind of scenario, I would explain why you picked them. Like there's a ton of people on LinkedIn, but there's probably a specific reason why you pick them out of the like millions of people. So tell them, hey, I noticed you do this business and hey, I do this business. And I think our audiences could really benefit from your expertise and yours could benefit from my expertise. Just be honest. You don't actually have to sugarcoat it and they're probably going to appreciate it because there actually is a compliment buried in there, which is, Hey, I noticed you, I see you. And I think what you're doing is super cool. And I want to join forces with you. That's your compliment. I like that a lot because like you said, you have your compliment, you have your connection and it's honest because you can just flat out say why you picked that person. Exactly. Yeah. We don't have to overcomplicate it. It can be just as easy as that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think that really gets to a question that I was going to ask as well, which is how you would find the name or email address of someone to email. So it sounds like the idea is start with some kind of a like point where you've already seen 
them doing something and you have that point of connection and you want to share it with them. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure all of us, we've all got those people that we notice they're doing something cool and we subconsciously want to be part of it. But the thing is that we usually talk ourselves out of the outreach part because we don't think that what we're doing is something that they might find cool. But if we maybe took just like another minute or another step to figure out like how our expertise could benefit this other person and their audience, we might be able to find a really cool partnership. And is that the sort of thing that you found it gets easier as you do it? It does. <laughs> it sounds to me like it's a little bit like going to a networking event or at a party or something like that. And there are all these different people that you know are friends of a friend or somehow like there for the same reason as you, but making those first steps to actually talk to someone can be a little intimidating. Yeah, it is really intimidating. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times that voice in our head that keeps us from doing stuff like that talks us out of stuff actually doesn't have our best interests in mind, but we let it dictate a lot of what we do. And the reason is, is that that voice is hardwired. Like if you think back on the history of humans, that voice kept us from being eaten by bears and by, you know, my son's really into Sasquatch. So that's on my brain, (laughs) 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 but you know, like, The Sasquatch obviously listened to that voice, like stay away from humans, keep quiet, stay far away from everything. Like that's the voice that we listen to when we talk ourselves out of doing something. And so sometimes you just got to be like, okay, I hear you, but you need to shut up and sit down because I'm going to do this and I'm going to be fine. And the worst that's going to happen is they say, I'm not interested. And where are you going to be after that? You're going to be in the same spot that you are right now. So you don't lose anything, but it does get easier with practice, even though the first time is really scary. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, Laura, because like that lizard brain, it's all about fear and making sure that we uh, are not killed by predators. But now in our like current modern day, like we don't have that climate where it's that scared. But unfortunately, it's like hard to turn that off and not listen to those voices. Yeah, definitely. So. We got into like the outreach email, but I wanted to go back and cover what are the differences with like pitching a service or a product to a particular client? What are the differences there where you're trying to make a sale? Do you mean like specifically this is an email that will make you money or is it maybe somebody you just want like to use your service for free to try it out? Is that included as part of the pitch? You can. I don't usually recommend that people actually offer their service for free ever, to be honest with you, because I think that money helps us. This is like a huge passionate topic of mine. So tell me if I'm going like too far off the deep end, (laughs) but money helps us put value on things. I totally agree. I think what I meant is more like beta testers, like something like that. That makes sense. I still think for beta testers, you should charge them, to be honest with you, okay, because they're going to put value on what you're giving them. And they're going to show up for you in a way that if you give someone someone something free, they're not going to take it as seriously. Yeah, I agree totally. But for the going back to like the sales cold email, that pitch email, it is a slightly different flavor than the outreach because you're really asking for a bigger thing from them. You're asking for money and money has a lot of a lot of threads tied to it. Because of 
for example, the threads like self-worth and time is money, like all of these things that we have associated with money. So it can feel a lot harder for people to say yes, because you're asking for them to kind of put their money where their mouth is. And that can be harder as opposed to people tend to devalue their time. Like, oh, I'll just mow the lawn instead of paying someone to do it. 30 bucks, say, and I could be charging my client 60 bucks or 100 bucks for that hour and making money, but I'm reluctant to spend that 30 bucks to regain my hour. So for the cold sales email, your goal is going to be different because your goal is for them to say yes to the next step. And really for a cold email, it's about starting a relationship with someone versus getting that immediate yes right off the first email, which is super hard to do. Like sending cold emails is a lot like approaching that really hot guy or hot girl at the bar and sliding onto the stool next to them. And instead of asking them for a drink, you're like, hey, want to go get married? There's like a chapel around the corner. Like, let's just go get (laughs) married right now. Yeah, you cool? Okay, we good? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like nobody would say yes. So if you think about it in terms of that, what you want actually out of that first contact, your first cold email is a yes to, hey, can I buy you a drink? Or even less of it, hey, can I sit here? So if you think about it in terms of that, it's actually like what you said earlier, Eric, it's actually a journey. And you're starting a relationship with someone. You don't actually know if it's going to result in marriage, but you just need to start the conversation. I think that's super helpful, too, in removing the fear or risk, so to speak, of like, oh, you know, what if this doesn't work out, blah, blah, blah. It's like you said, you're just buying a drink. You're just sitting down and talking to a potential client that I think removes a lot of the weight of the heaviness of starting that conversation. Yeah. And you totally want to remove that weight because as soon as you put pressure on that conversation, like time's ticking, I got to find a spouse, like, come on, come on. You're not going to find anything or like, Hey, I got to make my money. I need to make this relationship work. You've got to sign with me as a client and put a lot of pressure and expectation onto that exchange between you and a potential client. They're going to feel it. And nobody likes to feel coerced into doing something that the other person desperately wants them to do. In fact, it will cause them to pull away instead. But if you kind of approach it with like a lot less pressure and like, this is just the first step. I'm just testing the waters. It's a lot easier. And it does remove that fear from maybe potentially getting a no. But even sometimes there's fear around getting the yes because. Now you have to perform sometimes, but it just removes all the fear, actually. I really like that connection to a relationship as well, because lots of relationships are built on a foundation of trust and communication and work better when both of those things are there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm a little curious. So if this is maybe taking the analogy a little too far in that first email or the second email, do you give the recipient an opportunity to opt out and say that they're not interested? Do you ask those kinds of questions or how do you address that? That's actually a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. So to be honest with you, I 
try not to include any language that would give them an opportunity to opt out because then I'm putting up a signpost, like an exit, basically, for them to exit. And I actually don't want them to exit. I want them to stay on the highway and get to the destination that I'm pointing them to. So exit language would be like, I know you're busy and I hate to bother you, but that is exit language. And that's actually helping them think of reasons why they shouldn't talk to you or why they should say no, which is going to distract them from taking the steps towards your goal, which is to get them to say yes, because now you're giving them ideas on why they should say no. Oh, yeah, I am busy. Yeah. Yeah, you are bothering me. Like, (laughs) you don't want those thoughts in their head. (laughs) It sounds like that could send mixed signals as well. Yeah, definitely. Some kind of a a timidness or anxiousness on your part that probably isn't what you want to exude when you're reaching out to someone. No, and nobody wants to work with someone who, frankly, it's a little bit of a weakness, like that timidness. Nobody wants to work with someone like that. They want to work with someone who's like, confident and assertive and is like, all right, here's what we're doing. Because all of those aspects are associated with being an expert. And that's who people want to work with are experts. They want to work with the best. Somebody who feels confident in what their knowledge is. And that shows that it's somebody you can work with. Yeah, totally. So yeah, definitely don't put exit language in there. Just try to Phrase your question, like your call to action as a, would you, like, would you be interested or would you be available to get on like a 15 minute call to discuss further? Because then you are giving them the choice in the the phrasing of the question, not like do this now. It's would you, would you be open to this? Do you tend to stick to yes or no questions in that case? That depends. Usually I like to try getting them straight into getting scheduled for like a sales call in that first email. So that's, that's how I know if the sales email is successful. If they're like, if they reply and they're like, yeah, that date and time works or no, that date and time doesn't work, but I'm available at this date and time. So that's usually my goal at the end of that first sales email. But if it doesn't work, I do scale it back to a yes or no. Okay. And usually that's like a, are you interested question? Because then at that point, you can make a decision and say, okay, they're not interested. Take them off the list. I'm not going to email them. Waste my time. Or yes, they are interested. So here's the next step. Cool. You're interested. Let's get on that call so we can talk further and avoid like the crazy email exchange. I am totally thinking of a uh, parenting tactic right now (laughs) where you want your kid to eat breakfast, for example. And so instead of Asking them if they're hungry, you say, do you want cereal or do you want oatmeal? And you oh, don't yes. even give them the option to <laughs> say no, which if they say they're not hungry or something like that, they can, but you want them to eat breakfast because you know it's good for them to get a little bit of food in their tummies before they get off to school or wherever. Yeah, I totally did that with my boy today. Do you want eggs or do you want cereal? Hmm, I want eggs. <laughs> yep, it's exactly that. And then they feel like they have control in the situation and they have a choice, then you're not fighting them against, you know, like, okay, you've got to eat your eggs. Like, what is wrong with you? Then they're walking along with you instead of you pulling them, which is never a good feeling. So before we close out, I wanted to talk tools. What are some tools that you use, software or templates 
to help you in your emails and like, do you do any like tracking or anything that helps you with follow-up or collecting templates, things like that? What do you use in your toolbox for email conversion? Yeah. So for follow-ups, I really like Streak, S-T-R-E-K. It's a CRM plugin for Gmail and it's free. It works really well. You just put it right into your Gmail and you can schedule your follow-ups when you go into there. You can like tag an email, like put it into like a folder of sorts and then schedule a follow-up. So when you do get reminded for the follow-up, you can go right to the email instead of like hunting through your inbox for that stupid sent email that you <laughs> sent like a week ago. <laughs> so Streak is super helpful. You have the ability to like build out kind of a sales funnel in there too. So you can keep track of where people are. And you can build out different funnels too. It's not just like, you don't just, you're not limited to one. So you could have like a sales or, and an outreach and then move people through the phases. I also really like Boomerang because that allows you to do email tracking. I know Gmail now has this function to turn email tracking on. Boomerang also lets you boomerang back an email into your inbox. So you can also use it for follow-ups. Like you can say, okay, if nobody replies to me on this email within 48 hours, bring it back into my inbox, that kind of thing. So if you like to have a clean inbox, use Boomerang because then your email will disappear. Streak doesn't have that functionality. As for templates, I actually put together a really cool resource for your listeners. And there's two cold email templates in this package. You don't just get like the two templates, but you actually get two real life examples of the emails. So you can see like, that always helps me like, oh, this is what it should look like. And not many people will give you the actual emails as well. So I put together this resource for your listeners and they can find it at lauralopich.com forward slash okay productive. And one of these cold emails is one that got me a $20,000 client. So I know they work. Wow, that is so cool. Thank you so much for putting that together. Yeah, no problem. That is a really sweet <laughs> surprise. Yeah, no problem. I think those are the main tools. You can definitely go down the rabbit hole. But um, another one I want to mention is Crystal Nose. And that's actually a plugin for LinkedIn. And it will give you their best guess on someone's disk personality profile. So you can get an inside look at to their personality and how they communicate. And it actually gives you prompts on what to say. I use it a lot if I'm getting stuck. So it's a good place to start. I'm like, I don't know how to say things to this person so that they understand it in the way that their brain works. Check out Crystal Knows. Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we close out? No, I don't think so. I would say... The last thing is just like, don't be scared to send outreach emails. The bar is set super low for them, as I'm <laughs> sure you've seen. Yes. <laughs> so as long as you're answering that question, like what's in it for me and keeping that question in the back of your head on how to answer that for your recipient, I guarantee your email is going to stand out in crowded inboxes because the bar is set super low. So there's like huge potential for your outreach email to do amazing things for you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Where can people find you on the web? You can find me at lauralopich.com. And I'm also on Twitter at waiting to be read. And the two is T-O. Gotcha. Thank you so much. Anywhere else that you would like people to go? No, that's it. But definitely check out those two cold email templates. That's that's the quickest, honestly, the quickest one I can give your audience and you guys like, just try them out. It's so much easier than starting from a blank page. Yeah, we will absolutely be including these in the show notes too. So <laughs> if you're listening, head over to our website too, if um, you didn't catch the link and you'll be able to find it there as well. All right. Thanks again, Laura, for taking the time for us and sharing your advice. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Leo. Thanks, Eric. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Take care. So if people want to find us, you can find OK Productive on Twitter at OK Productive, as well as Facebook and Instagram. You can also find our website, okproductive.com, and your favorite podcast program. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode, and we look forward to talking to you again. Bye-bye.